Let us pray. <clears throat> our gracious Father, we bow to you in the name of our Lord Jesus. We thank you for your kindnesses to us in these days. Father, we're not without problems, but none that perplex you. And so we come seeking for mercy. <clears throat> we pray for those who are not with us today, that you would watch over them and take care of them, restore them to us in your time. As we come to look into your word, would you quicken our understanding? Would you grant that we might profit from what we read? We ask this in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Our lesson today is in the 12th Psalm. <clears throat> the 12th Psalm is another of the Psalms of David, and the superscription on it is to the chief musician upon Sheminith, a song of David. Help, Lord. For the godly man ceaseth. For the faithful fail from among the children of men. They speak vanity every one with his neighbor. With flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak. The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things who have said, With our tongue will we prevail. Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, now will I arise, saith the Lord, I will put him in safety from him that puffeth at him. The words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in a furnace of earth purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. The wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. Now this psalm is, again, one in which David takes a plaint and Mr. Spurgeon labeled this good thoughts for bad times. And we need to have some good thoughts when our bad times come. And this is one of those. This psalm is thought to have been penned in the days when David was fleeing from Saul on the occasion of the slaughter of the priest of God. We'll not read over that in the 21st chapter of 1 Samuel. David 
who had first gone to Samuel, and word came back to Saul that David was with Samuel and Ramah, and Saul sent a little group of soldiers to get him and bring him back. And the soldiers prophesied. So we sent a second contingent, and they also prophesied. And he decided he had best go see for himself what their problem was. And when he got there, he prophesied, which gave David an opportunity to flee. In the 21st chapter of 1 Samuel, then came David to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech was afraid or startled at the meeting of David, and said unto him, Why art thou alone, and no man with thee? And David said unto Ahimelech the priest, The king hath commanded me a business, and has said unto me, Let no man know anything of the business whereabout I send thee, and what I have commanded thee, and I have appointed my servants to such and such place. Now therefore, what is under thine hand? Give me five loaves of bread in mine hand, or what there is present. And the priest answered David and said, There is no common bread under mine hand, but there is hallowed bread, if the young men have kept themselves at least from women. And David answered the priest and said unto him, Of a truth, women have been kept from us about these three days since I came out. And the vessels of the young men are holy, and the bread is in a measure common, yea, though it were sanctified this day in the vessel. So the priest gave him hallowed bread, for there was no bread there but the show bread that was taken from before the Lord to put hot bread in the day when it was taken away. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day detained before the Lord, and his name was Doeg the Edomite, the chiefest of the herdmen that belonged to Saul. And David said unto Ahimelech, And is there not here under thine hand spear or sword? For I have neither brought my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. And the priest said, The sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom thou slewest in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If thou wilt take that, take it. For there is no other save that here. And David said, There is none like it. Give it me. And then the sequel to that, David went over to the Philistines, but uh, the sequel was that Doeg, the Edomite, the descendant of Esau, 
had seen what had transpired in Nob and gave his own interpretation to it. Now, what Ahimelech, the priest, did, he did in complete ignorance and innocence. He was not aware that he was helping abetting a fugitive from the king. His thought was that he was helping the king's son-in-law. In 1 Samuel 22, we have the rantings of the madman. First Kings, First Samuel 22, verse 6, Saul heard that David was discovered, and the men that were with him. Now Saul abode in Gibeah under a tree in Ramah, having his spear in his hand, and all his servants were standing about him. Then Saul said unto his servants that stood about him, Here now, you Benjamites, will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards and make you all captains of thousands and captains of hundreds that all of you have conspired against me, and there is none that showeth me that my son hath made a league with the son of Jesse, and there is none of you that is sorry for me, or showeth unto me that my son hath stirred up my servant against me to lie in wait as at this day. Now those are the paranoid ravings of a madman. But Doeg the Edomite speaks up and said, I saw the son of Jesse coming to Nob to Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub, and he inquired of the Lord for him and gave him food and gave him the sword of Goliath the Philistine. Then the king sent to call Ahimelech, the priest, the son of Ahitub, and all his father's house, the priests that were in Nob, and they came all of them to the king. And Saul said, Here now, thou son of Ahitub. And he answered, Here am I, my lord. And Saul said unto him, Why have you conspired against me? Thou and the son of Jesse, in that thou hast given him bread and a sword, and hast inquired of God for him, that he should rise against me to lie in wait as at this day. Then Ahimelech answered the king and said, And who is so faithful among all thy servants as David, which is the king's son-in-law, and goeth at thy bidding, and is honorable in thine house? Did I then begin to inquire of God for him? Be it far from me, let not the king impute anything unto his servant, nor to all the house of my father. For thy servant knew nothing of all this, less or more. And the king says, Thou shalt surely die, Ahimelech, thou and all thy father's house. And the king said unto the footman that stood about him, Turn and slay the priest of the Lord, because their hand also is with David, and because they knew when he fled and did not show it to me. But the servants of the king would not put forth their hand to fall upon the priests of the Lord. 
Then the king said to Doeg, Turn thou and fall upon the priest. And Doeg the Edomite turned, and he fell upon the priest and slew on that day four sore and five persons that did wear a linen ephod. And Nob, the city of the priest, smote he with the edge of the sword, both men and women, children and sucklings and oxen and asses and sheep with the edge of the sword. So here we we have the complaint the godly man ceases. The faithful fail from among the children of men. Saul was apparently a paranoid schizophrenic and had his moments, but in general he was paranoid. But during his days they were there were evil times. Justice and righteousness were not major factors in his day. He would put to death a righteous man. Uh, these are evil days. How bold are the wicked. But I read in the 57th chapter of Isaiah, our God has some provision for the righteous. Isaiah 57, verse 1, The righteous perisheth, and no man layeth it to heart. And merciful men are taken away, none considering that the righteous are taken away from the evil to come. He shall enter into peace. They shall rest in their beds, each one walking in his uprightness. <clears throat> so the death of the righteous may be a merciful provision for them. In speaking of evil times, listen to Hosea in Hosea 4, verse 1, Hear the word of the Lord, you children of Israel. The Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land, because there is no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. By swearing and lying and killing and stealing, and committing adultery, they break out and blood touches blood. Now, if that does not sound up-to-date, contemporary, you haven't read your paper. But these things do not take our God by surprise. I read in 2 Timothy 3, verse 1, This know also that in the last days perilous times will come. 
For men shall be lovers of themselves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady or rash and high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. He sums it all up in verse 13, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Uh, this is the problem that I have with those who tell me that the world is getting better and better and that we're going to bring in a golden age of truth and righteousness. There's something wrong with my vision. I cannot see that. What I see is evil men and seducers waxing worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. This psalm begins with a beautiful prayer. Help, Lord. It's short and sweet. But in time of need, David knew where to go. And that brings up the question, do you know where to go in time of need? I'm not talking about your banker or your insurance agent. But um, I read in Hebrews 4, verse 15, We have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmity, but was in all points tempted or tried like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy, and find grace to help in time of need. It's important. It's important that we learn where to go for help before the emergency arises. When the emergency arises, there's not time to consider sanely, and consequently, one may err in his proceeding. <clears throat> Nehemiah was cupbearer to the king. That means he was a Jew who had uh, gained a royal position, that is, he was constantly in and out of the 
things present, Jeremiah was a praying man. When one came from Jerusalem, Nehemiah made it his business to inquire how things were in Jerusalem. This is in the first chapter of that book. Nehemiah 1, verse 2, Hannah and I, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity and returning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And we have recorded here one of his prayers. But he continued praying. In the second chapter we read, it came to pass in the month Nisan, in the 20th day, in the 20th year of our Xerxes' king, that wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. Wherefore the king said unto me, What is the matter with you? Why is thy countenance sad? seeing thou art not sick. This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was very sore afraid. The reason he was sore afraid was because you didn't wear a long face in the presence of the king. If you were not happy to be there, you were not to be there. Then I was very sore afraid and said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulchre, lies waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire? And the king said, What do you want to be about? And the king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said unto the king, If it please the king, and so forth. And we have recorded here, how long do you think Nehemiah prayed? I think it was one of these interjections such as David here has had, Lord. And we ought to be ready when an emergency confronts us. If you go out to get in your van in the parking lot, and as you round the corner, there is a hold-up fellow there who uh, would take away from you what you have worked for, 
uh, you do not have time for a lengthy supplication. But you can say, help, Lord, or Lord, look what he's doing. This is what we ought to do. Our first thought ought to be to get help from where help can come from. So, well, I was looking to see if there was a policeman in there. <laughs> that might or might not be beneficial. <clears throat> but Nehemiah... knew where to get help, Nehemiah prayed to the God of heaven and said unto the king. And God gave him favor and answered his petition. So we can say that Nehemiah's prayer was brief. You remember an occasion in which the Lord had a long and busy day there was a multitude to be reckoned with. And he sent his disciples in a little ship on ahead. While he sent the multitude away, and then when they were gone, he went up into the mountain and was there praying. And the disciples were out in the vessel in a storm. This is in the 14th chapter of Matthew. Verse 24, The ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves. The wind was contrary. In the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. Peter answering said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. This again, this is an example of one of those short but highly effective prayers. Help, Lord. David said, the righteous faileth. The godly man ceaseth. The faithful fail from among the children of men. Now, sometimes we err in our calculations. We are not unique in that. Elijah, the man of God, did. 
You remember when he was at Horeb, the Mount of God, that's another name for Sinai, he was in a cave, and uh, there was a, a voice came to him and said, uh, What doest thou here, Elijah? He gave an answer. And the voice said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And on this occasion, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. It's difficult for my mind to comprehend a wind that strong. Breaking in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake. The Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire. The Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering end of the cave. There came a voice to him saying, what doest thou here, Elijah? And Elijah said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Now, that was the way Elijah was absolutely honest here. This is the way it appeared to him. They had forsaken the covenant of the Lord. They had broken down his altars. And they had slain the prophets with the sword. In other words, they had ruled him out of the public domain. But the truth was, <clears throat> down in verse 18, Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed to Baal, every mouth which hath not kissed him. Now, Elijah was wrong. God had some resources that he did not know about. And it's so with us. Sometimes, <clears throat> sometimes it seems to us like we're contending for the truth and we, it is a lonely group and our children go off to uh, some other place and they try to find a comparable group to meet with and they have difficulty. <clears throat> but there are resources that God has that we do not know about. This reminds me of the sarcasm that Job used with his friends. 
He said over in Job 12, <clears throat> verse 1, after this, uh, Job answered said, No doubt, no doubt, but you are the people, and wisdom shall die with you. <clears throat> 